This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, does pineapple belong on pizza? The answer is yes, by the way. Find out as we play the pizza edition of Game Showy Trivia. Test your knowledge of Canadian pizza recipes, topping trends, and more. And why is it so expensive to fly around in Canada? Dave Frank, Executive Director of the BC Aviation Council, helps us understand what's driving domestic flights up in price, how they can come down, and why flying is out of reach for so many Canadians. The good news is careers in aviation, lots of opportunities, so you can learn more. And are you okay with more pizza? It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. All right, it's time <laughs> for Game Showy. It's a game show on the radio. Our topic this week is going to cause some controversy. Pineapple belongs on pizza. We've established that so far. Kelsey Campbell is here. So is your host, Ryan O'Donnell. Uh, the only thing we've established, Bob, is that we're playing the pizza edition. Incorrect, of Ryan. We've established that pineapple belongs on pizza. pizza. Don't worry. You'll have a chance to defend your, your decision there because, yes. There's nothing to defend, Ryan. <laughs> Bob, keep it. Keep it together, Bob. Keep it together, Ryan, I should say. <laughs> Look, we are playing for the pizza edition of Game Showy. Now, why? Why? Well, earlier this week, CBC released footage of the very first time pizza was ever showed off on Canadian television. 1957, Kathy Brady recorded a cooking segment for the CBC that introduced viewers to the dish that we now know as pizza, but back then... She called a pizza pie. Good afternoon. I'm Mrs. Brady. Today I'm going to make that popular Italian dish, pizza pie. You've all probably heard about it, and if you like the recipe, uh, please get a pencil and paper, and then you can take it down as I go. Pizza pie is becoming very popular, especially down in the States. Uh, there are some restaurants that even specialize in it. These are called pizzerias. And Saturday night, as you drive down, you can see cars lined up for miles waiting for their pizza. Uh, pizza pie is composed of three parts. First, there is the base, which is usually a biscuit or a yeast dough. This is covered with a tangy tomato sauce, sprinkled with oregano, and then topped with nippy cheese. Pizza pie. Pizzeria. 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 Like Pizzeria. That. Amazing thing. That uh, that lady's still alive. She lives in BC, oh. ninety years old. So wow. I hope she's listening because this is all f- because of her. Mm. We are playing the pizza edition now. I was trying to think of the prize for the pizza edition, and there is literally nothing better than pizza. So today we're playing four pizzas. <laughs> so one is easy and three is hard. If you get the question right, 
you will hear this. Sure is a fine-looking pizza. Mmm, sure-looking fine. All pizza is fine uh, until it has a pineapple on it. If it's wrong, you'll hear this. Pizza the Hut! Spaceballs? Spaceballs, anybody? Pizza the Hut? Spaceballs? <laughs> wow. I know. Generation. Yeah. Well done. Are we, you know, are we really... playing for slices or full pizza pies? A full pizza. Who wants a slice? If you're a full say it, pizza. You gotta say pizza yeah. pie. Mm, pizza pie. Pizza pie. Okay, we got three categories to choose from: pizza toppings, regional pizzas, specifically Canadian, and pizza parlors, not pizzerias. We also have the text line special, which is a question for the shift heads only. 877-399-9898. Get your phones out, my friends. You're going to need it because I need you to text in your answer. And if you're right, the contestant that stumbles on this question will win two pizza pies. When we find the text line special, we will hear this. Come on, time is money. Money is power. Power is pizza. Pizza is knowledge. Let's go. Let's go. Pizza is knowledge, friends. And I need you to test your pizza knowledge. Here is your question. What pizza place, parlor, pizzeria, whatever you want to call it, popularized? Like pizzeria. pizzeria. Okay, we'll stick with pizzeria. What mm. pizza pizzeria, wow, popularized the stuffed <laughs> crust pizza? Ah, is it ooh. Pizza Pizza, Pizza Hut, Papa John's, or Little Caesars? Again, which pizzeria introduced the stuffed crust? Pizza Pizza, Pizza Hut, Papa John's, Little Caesars. Text in your answers now. That's how we play Game Showy. I want to have a counter of how many times I say the word pizza tonight. It's like a drinking game on the radio. Except if you're driving, please don't. Every time Ryan says pizza, you do a shot. If we wanted to play and make this really competitive, our prize... Should have been pineapple for your pizza. Bob? Thanks. Thanks for that, Bob. So uh, Kelsey beat me last week in Ryan Showy, which means that... Uh, <laughs> Naturally. You your own trivia. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Shane, you get, to, you get to go first there. I do Where get to go first. I, I Okay, oh. pizzerias. pizzeria's. Wow. You're gonna, mm, uh, I'm going to go people with... People uh, who are crazy for pizza go. Yeah, pizzerias, pizzerias. Okay, uh, the uh, okay. I'm gonna go with. I want three pizza pies <laughs> uh, oh for um, uh, pizza parlors, please. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, all right. Uh, this pizza chain is the largest in Canada and is currently debating expanding into Mexico. Is it Pizza Pizza, Pizza Hut, Panago? Or Papa John's. The biggest in Canada? The biggest in Canada, debating expanding into Mexico. Okay. Um, can I get clarification on that? Is it um, the biggest pizza place that is considering, or it's the biggest pizza place and they're considering? It's the big, the biggest one and they're considering. Ah, most amount well, of franchises, me. most amount of chains in the entire yeah. country. Uh, I've been so drunk in so many places in Ontario. Mm-hmm. That it's got to be pizza, 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 pizza. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of pizza pizzas, and that is correct. And you can find them after any bar, pizza. everywhere. 
Here's a fun fact. There are over 200 pizza pizzas in the GTA alone. There are 700 across the country. There are 200 within like three hours of each other. Un- so many. So if there's 200 pizza pizzas, that means there's 400 pizzas. Mm, at any given time. I have, a, I have a pizza pizza fun story, not a fact. Well, I guess Hit it's it. a fact, but it's more of a fun story. Uh, <laughs> went to a Raptors game years ago, and I can't remember who they were playing, uh, the Toronto Raptors, at, at uh, an NBA game. They are getting whomped, like destroyed on the court. But what was announced throughout the game is if they hit 100 points, everybody got a free slice of pizza from Pizza Pizza. And so it was like 130 to 90 points in like fourth quarter, not looking good. And they start coming back and people just kept chanting pizza over and over and over and over again and they ended they ended up hitting a hundred at the buzzer they lost by whatever a hundred points but it didn't matter because we all got to leave with pizza went wild (laughs) that's that's why we're playing for pizza it's that special it's universal kind of love Mm -hmm. it's a love language all right i'm winning can we talk about that we can but let's see for how long because it's kelsey's turn okay ouch okay yeah let's go regional pizza for three pizza pies Original. Okay, so uh, I found out doing some research. There are many different styles of pizza for, across Canada, including Regina, Saskatchewan, has a very specific way they do pizza. It's made with you know your standard toppings, but it's got deli meat that's piled high on top of each other and then topped with green peppers. Those peppers are there and are specifically there for a very sp- reason. It's a tribute. What? Are those peppers tributing? Is it? Tributing. The city of Regina itself, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Prince Albert National Park, or farming, specifically peas, because Saskatchewan exports a lot of peas. Hmm. Um, I don't know this for sure, but I think everything that Saskatchewanians do is uh, in the name of Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So I'm assuming it's for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you'd be right. It, it's 100% oh, all in the name of the Rough Riders. Come on. No. Is a fine looking pizza. Mm, the style was created by Greek immigrant, which, by the way, there are the Greek immigrants are responsible for so many different types of pizza in this country. It's uh, that's a trend I've noticed. Uh, Jim Kolitsas in the city of Regina during the 1970s. Also, weird thing, it's made in a round pan, but it's served into squares. So huh. that's how they do it in Regina. The more you know. <laughs> the more you know. Tribute to you. Shane. Me. Ah, yes. Okay. Um, well, I have no choice because uh, mm-hmm. cutthroat Kelsey over there is going to uh, hurt me. So I'm going to have to go with um, toppings. Toppings. For three pizza pies. For three pizza pies, Shane, which of these was an actual pizza topping at the Calgary Stampede this year? Oh, boy. Was it scorpions, cow tongue, Swedish canned fish, or Alaskan bull oysters, which um, are—I don't know if you know what that is, but that's Alaska. No. That's that's bull testicles. Oh, prairie oysters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never heard them called Alaskan oysters. 
Yep, uh, 100% forgot that they were called prairie oysters in Rhode Alaskan for some reason. That's a typo. (laughs) (laughs) That's a dramatic Uh, typo. That's That's a a different word. I'm going to reframe what was just in my mind to not get fired. Uh, Alaskan oysters, they must serve them cold. There, how's that? Mmm, jelly. Okay, what did you say? You said scorpions. What was the other? Scorpions was a long time ago. Cow tongue. Swedish canned fish. Prairie oysters. Uh, I've never heard of Swedish canned fish anything at the Stampede. Prairie oysters also have been around typo. forever. Just canned fish. Uh, <laughs> no, sustroming. Go. You have to look it up. Sustroming. It's when you, when you open it out of the can, the smell is yeah. so strong, you will instantaneously gag. But they eat it. They like it there. Oh, good mm-hmm. story. I got to go with cow tongue. It's the only thing that um, I think is, because I don't think the last two, I mean, prairie oysters have been around forever at the Stampede. Uh, canned fish, meh. scorpions was a few years ago. So I'm going with okay, scorpions. All right. Let me, let me read you the recipe. Okay. Naturally sweet and vine ripened tomato sauce, mozzarella cheese, pineapple, yes. caramelized onions, and a mm-hmm. Baja Chipotle drizzle with some slow braised triple A Alberta cow tongue on top. That is correct. is a fine looking pizza. Yep. That's gross. The worst part of that is the pineapple. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the cow tongue? Oh, boy. No. All right. Not for me, man. Okay. Kelsey, you're up. Okay. I just, I know I need to let it go, but I love that we are talking about the Calgary Stampede. They're called prairie oysters. It makes sense. It mm-hmm. happens in the prairies, and you chose Alaska, and it just—I yep. just love how random that it, that is. Mm-hmm. That's a random. That's state. Ryan's brain. Uh, yeah, it's We're t- uh, talking about it's an the event in the prairies. It's the time change. It's because I'm in Ontario. As soon as you leave Alberta, you just forget what it is to be Albertan. That's that would have made more sense if you said maritime oysters, but okay. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> soon, as soon as you go out east, you start thinking about the Alaskans naturally. Okay, naturally. move. I am going to let this go. I've let it go. We've moved okay, on. Thank you. I appreciate that. We are that. going pizza parlors for two pizza pies, please, Bob. Pizza parlors. Ooh, it's time to see if the uh, the shift heads have a little pizza knowledge because it's the text line special. <laughs> Time is money. Money is power. Power is pizza. Pizza is knowledge. Let's go. Power is pizza. Pizza <laughs> is knowledge. Let's like go. That. It's from Parks and Rec, by the way. It's a great side note. Uh, what pizza place popularized the stuffed crust pizza? That is a question. 877-399-9898. You got a few seconds to text in your answers. So we have a few here. The options were Pizza Hut, Pizza, Pizza. Papa John's and Little Caesars. So, lots here for Little Caesars, Harvinator in Edmonton. And we also have lots for Pizza Hut, Steve in North of Ann, Ernie and Cerny, and Trucker Dan, Cat <laughs> and Gimli. I know. You said Ernie and Cerny. That was pretty good. Isn't that? Well, that's his name. That's his name, and it's a great er- name. Ernie and Cerny? Yeah, there's an Ernie and Cerny in our text list. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Anyway, guess what, friends? Uh Pizza Hut, the most texted Uh answer, is correct. Uh Well done. Sure is a fine-looking pizza. Uh Yes. Popularized by Pizza Hut. However, there was a $1 billion lawsuit made by a a guy who claimed that Pizza Hut stole the idea, and uh, Pizza Hut, unsurprisingly, won that lawsuit. And then we got that ad with Donald Trump 
eating a pizza crust first that I have to live with in my brain. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So it's my turn. We are five, six to five over Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So that means I got to go with one point because worst case, I screw this up and Kelsey ties. Or I go for the death nail. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this makes yeah, this difficult. Yeah, I Okay, me, I'm gonna go for, edge, uh, for sure. toppings. I'm going to mm-hmm. top it. We're gonna, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna go, um, toppings for two pizza pies. This is it. You pick the right question to end on, Shane. What country is responsible for the Hawaiian pizza? Ham, pineapple on pizza. Who invented it? Is it the Hawaiians, Canadians, China, or the United Kingdom? Okay, so this seems like one of those things where it's too obvious. Because <laughs> it's either Hawaii or Canada. And I remember years ago, we used to always say that pizza was invented in China. Um, Who said that? I don't know. As a kid, that was the thing. You know, pizza's not from Italy; it's from China. I don't know. It's all those things. You, yeah, we'll unpack your childhood another time. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we'll have it. We'll do it over a pizza. We're gonna need more time. I well, I'm gonna go. Maybe this is too simple. I'm gonna go with Hawaii um, because it's called you. Hawaiian pizza, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to play Ryan psychology. Ryan psychology, uh, like, just like Ernie and Cerny. Ernie and Cerny, Ryan Psychology usually gets you the, the W, the right answer. However, this time, that's incorrect. It is not Hawaii. Pizza, Do I get bonus pizza. points because you spelled Hawaiian wrong in the question? No. Uh, oh. Kelsey Campbell, you have five <laughs> seconds to steal this answer if you know it. Oh, Canada. Yes. 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 yes, the Canadians are responsible for that. The pizza was created in 1962 by Greek immigrant Sam Panopoulos. He and his brother, they owned a a restaurant in Ontario and they made it. Here's the, here's the stats. Okay. On pineapple pizza. Come on, Sam. Should have made a Greek pizza, buddy. I know, buddy. He figured it out. Look, a 2017 poll found that 82% of people surveyed liked pineapple, but only 53% liked it on their pizza. 53%. 53%. That is a majority. Barely. So that does mean that more people like pineapple on pizza than dislike it. I am happily in the minority in this case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like just it's to be something clear, like just... More people yeah, like clear. pineapple on pizza than voted for the prime minister. Just got to say that. Oh my goodness! He's had a job for the last seven years because of it. So I think that's that's democracy. It's a rule. Anyway, fine. Oddly, I think I think there's like kiddos that like the pineapple, or adults with with my maturing palate. I'm actually starting to like pineapple on pizza. Oh, anymore. Wow. Kelsey Campbell takes the win and is a little bit cooler all of a sudden. Pineapple belongs on pizza. That's your takeaway, friends. (laughs) So we had a text ride. The hard hitting. The Sir Stroming. That's your. Sir Stroming. Yes. Your fish. The fish. Uh, The text says, and I think it was from Derek, says Sir Stroming is fermented for months. Yes. Say that fast. Sir Stroming is fermented for months. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there it is. That's Game Showy. Now you've heard it all. Uh, I don't know what's next week on Game Showy. This is fun. We we might have to get into Christmas Game Showy here soon, I would say. Hey. Uh, no? It's a little early. We'll get there. We'll all get right. there, and I'll make it worth your while. Don't you worry. Kelsey Campbell, uh, thank you for coming and winning. Appreciate it. Somehow. Oh, hey. It's the only reason I show up. You keep letting me <laughs> snag the W. I wouldn't come back if that weren't the case. <laughs> and if I was letting you, I would feel a lot better about this scenario. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with... 877-399-9898. That's our phone number. You can get it at shiftheads.ca too. If you forget, nice and easy for you to let us know your thoughts on these stories that might make you shake your head. They might make you ponder a little bit. Ryan O'Donnell's in Ottawa. I'm Shane Hewitt. I'm in the city of Calgary. Well, city of Airdrie on the north side of Calgary. John O'Chung is in Vancouver. Are you okay with? Yay, the pizza. The pizza. You know, driving through London last week. There is a pizza place called Sopranos Pizza, oh. and I am so bummed I didn't get to try it. I don't know if it's any good. It's just the most Italian thing ever, and I, I, I really love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever happened to anchovies is one text. Whoever put those on pizza? Well, question. Um, that is a good question, but it did arrive earlier that anchovies and pineapple were really good, sweet and salty. So that was uh, actually Together? a text that came in. Yeah. On the same pizza? That's no, that's too much. Yeah. I feel like yeah, that's no, too much. Thing. Seriously, came in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Asian pork barbecue on pizza. Lugano's mm, in Burlington yes. does it. Um, if you're still talking pizza flavors, pork belly, pineapple, crumbled goat cheese with mozzarella. So there you go. There's some uh, some pizza flavors. Now those ones, maybe they're for you, maybe they're not. The age old debate of what should go on a pizza, um, we solved. Pineapple belongs. Ryan admitted it right here on the radio. Well, um, no, not quite. Yeah, but you did. Uh, may have just risen to a whole new level, a very slippery, slimy level. We have not even settled the pineapple on pizza debate yet, and here's another new topping on the menu, a questionable one at that, according to some. Heads up, not everyone will find it mouth-watering. So what's cooking, you might be wondering. Snake meat. A renowned American pizza chain is offering shredded snake meat on its slices. Pizza Hut has teamed up with a century-old Hong Kong restaurant and is trying to give a modern spin to a famous Hong Kong traditional dish. Now that clip's from WION News. Pizza Hut has teamed up with this Hong Kong restaurant to put snake on pizza. It includes shredded snake meat, black mushrooms, and Chinese dried ham, all of which are ingredients of snake stew. Some diners in Hong Kong and around southern China have long enjoyed snake stew, especially during the colder months. Many people believe that snake meat has medicinal properties, like improving skin conditions and warming up the body. A uh, rich culinary culture based on snakes is common across other parts of Southeast Asia, too, such as Vietnam and Thailand, where snakes are usually farmed for consumption as well. Pizza Hut in Hong Kong said that uh, paired with cheese and diced chicken, the snake meat becomes richer in taste and added that the nourishing meat can boost blood circulation, 
which is a common belief in traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, the Pizza Hut chain has partnered with uh, Sir Wong Fun, a snake restaurant in central Hong Kong with roots dating back to 1895, to come up with this recipe. Would you try pizza with snake meat? Yes. Really? Yeah, I'd try it. I would try it. I've I've been wanting to try alligator and, and like frog meat before. I've never had it, but I've heard, you know, it tastes like chicken. I bet this probably just tastes like chicken. I bet I've it's had ostrich and alligator. Things where I don't know. You take a bite and you're like, "Oh, yep, that's meat." I, I, it's on the surface, it's kind of nasty, and I, I don't mind snakes at all, but I don't, um, I don't find it like revolting or anything like that personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I ostrich is all right. Alligators all right. It's not a that big of a deal. I didn't hate it. Didn't really love it. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's good, but do we need to, though? Do we need to? Yeah, do we need to? Yeah, like I tried. I had kangaroo once, and it was strange because it was basically just muscle. <laughs> like, it's just so tough. It's flavorful. And I finished eating it, and I went, I could have, you know, that was fine, but a, a, a normal burger would have been okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to do it again. When, when I was in Vancouver a couple of weeks ago, I had soft shell crab, part of my sushi. And it was like half of a soft shell crab cut in half and it's basically deep fried whole and you put it in your mouth and it's like a spider something dish. And I don't know. It was like I had a couple of bites. And I'm like, meh. I didn't make me feel ill. It didn't make me feel like bleh. But it was one of those things where I was like, I tried it. I, I don't really need to finish it now. I'm good. So my nephew did. He loved it. I don't know. So I mean, that's something about some foods, right? You're like, yeah, okay. Well, I did. And that happened. And then you move on. I feel like that's one of them right there. Yeah, well. Are you okay with Christmas movies? Um, yes, definitely. Uh, and in moderation, I, I Christmas, you know, like I could watch a Halloween movie any time of year. I can't watch a Christmas movie any time of year. Christmas movies I use as a tool to get me in the mood to enjoy Christmas. And that's a unique thing about Christmas movies is it's just like you could watch them any time of year, but there's something particularly special about watching them when it's snowing or like it's only a week to Christmas or it's Christmas day itself. Like there is something special about that. So yeah, I wait, I save them. All right. I love Christmas movies. I always watch one in July because it's halfway to Christmas. I can't wait. Now, we're going to play for you a trailer of an upcoming Christmas movie that is a very real thing. Charlie here is attempting to break the Guinness World Record for stacking the most Jenga blocks on top of one vertical block. So I can show the world that autistic people can do great things. And so my dad will be proud of me. Did he leave because I'm autistic? What? I just wanted to be in a book. Wasn't in the psychology section. Charlie, these books are about autism. They are not about you. A world record Christmas on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Now, turns out, Hallmark Movies, there's so many of them. Turns out the movie is based on a true story of a Canadian. How about that? 15-year-old Alden Maxwell from BC set his first Guinness World Record in 2021 where he stacked 638 Jenga blocks on a base composed of a single block. He broke his own record a year later with 1,400 blocks. It's double. 
I managed to see a similar feat with a giant Jenga block stacking 500 of those. Whew, that's tippy. Um, Maxwell has now broken both of his own world records, stacking 1,840 Jenga blocks on a single block and 900 giant blocks on a single block, too. Maxwell's skills caught the attention of cable TV network, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, which they shoot a lot of those in Vancouver, I was told. I don't know if that's true. Maybe Vancouver people can help me. Which turned his story into film A World Record Christmas, which premieres Thursday. Film stars uh, Nikki Deloach, Lucas Bryant, and Alias Dalman. I'm assuming uh, those are um, the same people that are in all the Hallmark movies. <laughs> yes, it's, it's their time of year. Just like Mariah Carey emerges from the cold, so do the Hallmark actors. Yes, <laughs> they thought. This kid does have a cameo in the movie, though. Oh, does way. he really? He's reading. He oh, does show cool. up in the movie. Yeah, That's neat. What a neat story. And probably Canadian, too, which mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. And at 15 years old, to be able to do that, like, I don't think I would have had ever had that steady hand at 15 to be able to pay attention that long and, you know, have that. So gifts comes in mysterious ways, I guess. Really cool. Well done, Alden. Cool stuff. This is the Shift Podcast. Ryan O'Donnell is in Ottawa, and I'm in Calgary. I'm Shane Hewitt, which is a bit of a role reversal for us. Ryan doesn't fly as much as I do, but he has recently found the cost of flying and the ability to get to smaller towns to be very difficult now. It wasn't always like this, I don't think. So we're going to get some advice on that. First, though, we have... Uh, we got to talk about a beautiful night in Vancouver. Dave Frank is here with the BC Aviation Council. He's the executive director. Congratulations, Dave. Uh, thank you for the invite to come to the Silver Wings Gala event. That was beautiful. And um, my basic summary is it's a chance to celebrate the veterans of aviation by celebrating the youth of aviation, scholarships, and more. Um, it was a beautiful night, man. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, we uh, appreciate the compliment and uh, glad you enjoyed it and was a pleasure to have you there with a bc aviation council i mean you get to see the young people and you get to go and negotiate you know families uh, uh, aviation companies trusts and all the things about creating some financial opportunities and access to aviation i think for young people you're a fan of aviation it's kind of your jam all around. It must be really cool to see those young people. That my takeaway was you can tell the veterans that have literally been there forever, like some of the old cats, the old couples. They've probably owned seven or eight different aviation companies over the years, right? Like the real long in the tooth flyers. And then you see these really young, awkward shirt doesn't fit very well, don't know how to tie a tie well mingling with these people and chatting and you can see the excitement those two worlds coming together at that event that was the cool part to me oh i i completely agree and and i hope you got the uh uh, the impression that the future of our industry is in very capable hands um absolutely you, you may also have noticed um that uh the the face of the industry has changed uh, those more senior people that you're talking about dominated by um, uh, European heritage males. Uh, when you look at our 29 scholarship recipients there, uh, it's, it is so diverse. Uh, it was slightly more women than men, which is very exciting to see. Um, all different cultural backgrounds um, and, uh, and, and not all wet 
behind the ears, uh, a couple yeah. doing career changes and the like. So uh, that's that's the contrast that I really notice and and enjoy, and and also celebrating uh, Canada's largest um, scholarship program for aviation and aerospace. I mean that's yeah quite an accomplishment, and next year we'll be distributing well over a hundred thousand dollars to um uh to encourage people into our industry which is so desperately needed yeah and it was what 90 some thousand this year this 91 year? 250 wow uh it's different kinds of people too i mean heritage and all those things i agree but they're different kinds of people you kind of get aviation was always sort of this sort of almost cocky air about it right and but you get the kind of quieter people you get the more social people you had lots of groups of young people and when i say young people i mean sort of 35 30 and under i don't necessarily mean 20 year olds you know standing around laughing giggling watch one guy take a drink of his coffee and spill it on his shirt and the laugh him and his buds had was really great about it you know the i think it was sort of the experience of i'm chasing my career i'm surrounded by all these professionals and i still can't drink my coffee right like real life things that we all go through and to see those different kinds of people the quiet ones the bold ones the playful ones that to me was also quite touching um it's it's like the industry has become democratized um how about that eh? it's it's it used to be an upper class industry but since deregulation i i, I had a former professor and he said you know now when i go through the airports there are great grandparents meeting their great grandchildren for the first time, you know, due to deregulation of our industry. And, and that's filtering right down. And we need to accelerate that to ensure that we're not an elitist uh, uh, industry, that, that there's opportunity for everyone, no matter what their background uh, if we're going to keep aviation and aerospace moving forward um, in Canada, which um, if we don't, uh, we lose our leadership position. Yeah, well, and, and not only that, uh, an invitation, if you will, across the country. Dave and I met because of some conversation about aviation, and, and then my son flies here in Alberta, so we get to nerd out once in a while. But an invitation for all of the different aviation groups across Canada, get in touch with us. We're happy to have conversations and share everything as well. And I know Dave supports that as a fan of aviation in general. I mean, this is not, this just happens to be a BC conversation. It's not solely on BC. Now these young people, I mean, it's a hundred thousand bucks really to get in and become a pilot, but that's not the only career. There's customer service. There's the engineering part, the aerospace part. There's the AME part, which is desperate for mechanics and technicians. Um, so there are lots of different career paths here um, to learn the business of aviation as well we're tossing it out there it's great it's a beautiful thing dave what you guys are up to and it was a beautiful night and uh, the coffee was great and is it any more beautiful than experiencing in downtown vancouver on the patio overlooking uh, turning around seeing all these people celebrating aviation and then leaning over the balcony and watching some harbor air float planes sit there it's, it's not a terrible <laughs> way to spend a day it, it it is pretty it's a pretty magical venue there and uh um our guests really enjoy it and um you could just feel the, the ease in the room and and how how these um, uh, how the youngsters uh, rapidly lost their shyness and just started going up to all of these industry leaders that that have seen everything come and go. Uh, that's it's it is a great celebration. 
Yeah, it's really great. Uh, Dave Frank is with the BC Aviation Council. Dave, you talk about protecting the industry and being leaders around the world. We've fumbled into, I think, a, a bit of an exercise here on the shift that was cause for concern for us. Uh, Ryan's partner lives in London, Ontario. His dad's in Ottawa. Ryan has gone there, uh, quite pricey, hard to get in and out of London, which I find hard to believe considering how far it actually is from Toronto and um, how many people are there. It's quite the economic hub, especially technology. And yet it's a tough one to get in and out of unless you, you know, the hub and spoke thing seems to be really strong. You know, uh, Air Canada has backed off a lot of smaller towns. WestJet has adjusted their work in the east, uh, condensing cabins, making things smaller and all these bits and pieces. And then you have Porter, which did announce for February, Calgary to Ottawa direct while you have Air Canada pulling out of that route. So there's all kinds of things going on. The bottom line, though, is in January for me, it is cheaper for me to fly return to Atlanta, Georgia, than it is to go to Ottawa. It is cheaper for me to go to Alabama, Huntington, than it is to go to Ottawa. And that seems crazy with, these are Canadian carriers, by the way. This is comparing Canadian carriers to Canadian carriers and their partnerships. Um, Is there something going on here? here? Here's my concern. We talk about inflation, we talk about economics, we talk about supporting aviation. It's great that we support a Canadian carrier to go somewhere, but we're dumping our cash in another country. We're not dumping it here in hospitality, so uh, close is the dance with aviation. So what's happening? Why is it more expensive? The Canadian domestic market um, is absolutely nuts right now. Uh, the demand is above pre-COVID, uh, and, and the air carriers are just maxed out trying to serve it. Um, here, if uh, the old economist in me says, if you uh, measured the demand elasticity now, it would be zero. Uh, people are visiting friends and families at any price. Um, and, and, you know, Ryan was willing to pay that uh, in the name of love. Uh, and, and, that is is one of the three key factors that's hammering airfares in Canada. Um, also, the consolidation of WestJet um, uh, and losing its uh, ultra low uh, cost um, uh, subsidiary uh, swing, rolling that into uh, WestJet has taken some of the low cost capacity out of the market and. The main thing, and especially for that Toronto to London um, segment, is the significant reduction in capacity amongst um, regional services because they just can't crew and and maintain their fleets. Um, Air Canada and WestJet to maintain the route from Toronto to Atlanta have have poached from their regional carriers and promoted uh, all of those crews up into the mothership. And the regional air carriers are really scrambling to uh, to find replacements. And that's that's not a short term problem. Um, it's but it's it's massive demand in Canada uh, is driving airfares. 
the shortage of crews for especially regional air carriers in Canada and um, the the reduction in in low cost carrier uh, capacity domestically within Canada. And that's why you you will still find some deals like you did to Atlanta, especially in the transborder market. And there are some international markets where there are deals. Uh, but the Canadian domestic market is just maxed out with crazy demand and limited supply. Now, is the limited supply part of the problem? Is it well-crafted, do you think? Because we've seen the cancellation of a lot of routes. We've seen access to smaller markets change. You know, uh, Calgary, to me, now I'm selfish in saying this because it's a city I go to, but Calgary to Ottawa has always been full. Calgary to London, every time I ever flew to London when I owned a business there, was it was always full it was uncomfortably full every time you flew there and it just seems to me that that you know I, how many times it was so close to not getting on flights because you know you got to get in early because those those seats fill up going to ottawa and yet they're cutting those routes those are those are 737s those are not you know little dash eights that that they're running out of gas on so is it I mean, are they playing the game by controlling inventory really well a little bit? No, uh, that, that's getting too close to a conspiracy theory. Um, the, yeah. the air carriers are are really scrambling and doing their best. Um, it is the fact that they just can't crew and maintain uh, portions of their fleet. Uh, and uh, uh, every air carrier that I speak to, they have a whole whiteboard of routes or increased frequencies that they want to do, but operationally they just cannot serve it domestically in Canada. And uh, until we solve this human resource crisis and a few other factors, um, that situation's not going to change, unfortunately. Yeah, and I hear you. I hear you. I guess I get curious because down in the states, I mean, you can fly in an American carrier for the exact same amount of money. Um, internationally, so they're competing. Clearly, they've got to drop that rate, and then. But when you're flying domestically in the states, you know those prices aren't astronomical. They're not crazy high. It's not like Europe. Europe is super cheap still if you want to bounce around Europe. But I mean, we are in this realm of and and again, this is why I ask you, Dave, is because I need the clarification. They seem to have staff in the states. They seem to have pilots in the states. Uh, are they poaching ours? Is that part of the problem? Plus. The reality is, is that our airport taxes are have become astronomical. I, my last ticket to Ottawa uh, through Toronto on Porter, which seems to be able to service things really well right now, they with good price. They, you know, I paid more in taxes to go to Vancouver and back than I did for my ticket. I paid more in taxes to go to Ottawa and back through Toronto than I did for my ticket. There is one huge difference between. Canada and the U.S. market and a number of international markets. And that is that our government in Canada treats our aviation industry like a cash cow. And um, that's one of the reasons you, you see all of those charges on, on your um, tickets for security and the like. Um, one of the reasons that you're seeing those airport improvement fees is because the federal government um, takes a, a hundreds of millions of dollars a year uh, in rent 
from the airports that they transferred and puts it into general coffers. Um, it doesn't go back into the aviation industry. Whereas, so we in our, our policymakers in Canada do, do not behave as if they believe that aviation and aerospace are, um, are a critical infrastructure for your social and your economic health. Whereas, and that was really demonstrated during COVID with the lack of support. Whereas in the United States, they even have programs to subsidize some of the extremely thin routes to, uh, uh, to small markets. They dumped tens of billions of dollars into supporting airlines and air carriers. Uh, you know, Canada was a pittance of that. Uh, and uh, so un until we're able to change attitudes, uh, mostly in Ottawa with the federal government, that uh, we, we need to treat aviation as a critical infrastructure uh, even more important than our, our highways and, and, and ports and the like, uh, as far as economic and social impact goes, until we get them out of this passion that we are a industry that should provide 100 plus percent cost recovery, um, we're, we're going to be at a disadvantage domestically versus the United States domestically. Other industries don't, as far as I know, go, don't go through this. I mean, oil and gas is oil and gas, forestry is forestry, dairy is dairy, and, and they all get looked at as an independent version of itself. Where's the money? Where's it going? And, and and we don't see that here, especially with the airports and the cost of all the airports. But wouldn't it be, econo I mean, your economic brain, use that for a second, wouldn't it make more sense in order to protect Canadian industry, hospitality, all the bits and pieces that come with it, um, tourism, wouldn't it make sense to protect that? in some way and make sure that we're not just giving away the world's getting smaller anyway. We're just giving away that cash to other countries. We're not like, we don't, it is cheaper to go to Mexico. It is cheaper to go to California. It is cheaper to go to all these other places than it is to go to Newfoundland and learn Canadian heritage. And I mean, maybe this is too political of a question. I don't know. It's up to you. The, but we get, keep getting told like our passports got to reflect Canada and all these things, but yet we don't actually give people access through aviation to get to these markets and learn about Canada anymore. Yeah, that's a, sad. that's a bit political, but um, I can't answer it in one way because I did ask a public question of the federal tourism minister uh, at a board of trade breakfast. And uh, he gave a very dynamic presentation about the future of tourism and, and his contribution to the economy and the like. And so my question from the floor was, well, if tourism and hospitality is so important to our country and um, uh, we, uh, why, um, and high value tourism is, are, is driven by tourists that travel by air. So that those are the sort of tourists we want the most of. Why is it that we treat the, the aviation industry as a cash cow? Is that not the economic equivalent of shooting ourselves in the foot? Yeah. Uh, and 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 that uh, is is an is an attitude that that we hope to change amongst government leaders uh, going forward. That we're seeing on the positive side of the ledger, not not as um, 
uh, a potential source for, uh, uh, to me, unjustifiable um, uh, taxation and costs. There are good deals to be had. And the airlines, I think, are working really, really well in Canada at offering sales and opportunity to early buy. I mean, cash cash is king in aviation. you got to have cash. And so they do. The one thing Canadian aviators are doing, I think, that are, is really great is they are giving access to buy early, get your ticket, everything else. I'm not keen on the whole. It costs $200 to have the right to change your ticket for $100. Um, some of the structures that are there in the sales things, but Canadians are flocking. Like WestJet has publicly said their, their new um, configuration is going to condense the back of the plane. It's going to get smaller. They're putting in more seats. The answer to that is, will there be a third cabin? The premium economy has become the, the go-to for most, that mid-range. You're not paying $3,000 for your ticket up front. You're not paying $300 for your ticket in the back, but around five, six hundred, $700, you can kind of meet halfway, get a little bit bigger seat, more space in the middle of the plane somewhere. The, the, the data is starting to look like people are flocking to that ticket. Do you, find that, do you find that that's going to impact things in a good way? Because as far as I'm concerned, it seems like people are spending, which is great, but I'm not sure about that condensing the cabin in the back. I mean, people will still go, but I remember the days of Canada 3000 when your knees touched the seat in front of you all the way to Mexico. Well, if you think you have a problem, as you know, from silver wings, I'm six yeah, foot five. <laughs> so, yeah. so my answer to this is quite personally biased. Um, but you need to recognize that there's, even though it's, viewed as the same product on an aircraft like the person sitting beside you is the exact same product as you're sitting in the the reality is there are broadly speaking two different types of customers those that are very flexible and can book um i would say at least three weeks in advance domestically in canada and then the others who need to book at the last minute and, um, and, and have to get on a specific plane. And the price differential between those two is phenomenal. I'll, I'll give you an example. We had our conference very successfully up in Prince George, and, uh, which is in the middle of British Columbia, uh, population about 75,000. So sort of similar to Ryan's um, experience. And up until 14 days, you could get a return ticket all in, taxes and everything, for $232. You could not drive the eight hours there and back again for that kind of money. Um, and uh, 14 days out, all of a sudden, I was getting all these emails going, hey, I can't afford to go anymore. It's like $765. Uh, it even touched $850 for what effectively was the exact same product. So my advice to anyone um, that is horrified by the prices of domestic airfares is make sure you make your plans a month in advance and make sure you're flexible on your times of day and even your days of weeks. And a lot of the reservation systems are making it easier for their customers to identify uh, when those um, uh, periods are that their tickets are at a substantial discount. 
Yeah, and they do. They because you even sorting by flights, by flight times, flight flight days, multiple days with cost. I mean, there's lots of great access. It is uh, disappointing when you book your ticket and something changes and you're not allowed to change it. I find that to be difficult. But it also doesn't hurt to call and ask and just be really polite on customer service. You'd be surprised what they can do too. Oh, yeah. um, being personable on customer service is is uh, travel rule number one. Uh, yeah. They have a tough job, and if you're part of the sunshine in their day. It's amazing what they have authorization to um, to do for you. Yeah, be a good customer. You want good service, also be a good customer. I, I do believe that that goes both ways. Uh, Dave Frank is here, BC Aviation Council. Dave, it is exciting. And all of these stories I ask everybody to not hear as complaining. I do ask for the listening of, this is how big the opportunity is to work in this world and be part of the solution and provide some of the inventory of the bodies that need to be there to make sure that we get to go on our trips. And it's an admirable career. It's a fun career. You holy moly. And you want to hear passionate. It's people believe in it. And there are people who go through the ups and downs of aviation and they stick around. There's a reason why. And it's an important piece. And so when you're considering someone in your family or having a conversation or even reconsidering some retraining for yourself, which is something that I even think of even at my age. I'm like, oh, can I pull it off? Could I go and spend the money and, and could I fly around and, and make a, a go at this for 15 or 20 years? So, you know, keep it in mind. I, I think that it's great. And if you'd like to add to that, Dave, please do. Well, I love this industry because the people choose to go into it. They don't fall into it. And, and they are passionate. They are entrepreneurial. Um, there are, unfortunately for Ryan, there are a number of headwinds that our industry faces. Uh, one is the attitude that we're cash cow, the human resource crisis. Um, there's a big push to adopt sustainable aviation fuels. That's that's going to drive costs up. Um, there's uh, our interest rates. This is a very capital intensive industry. So that hits us. Uh, and they changed the uh, duty hours, uh, the hours that pilots could fly, which uh, resulted in the need for more pilots. So there, there's a lot of uphill swimming we need to do, but I'm with you. We're, we're not complaining about that. We think there's a huge opportunity. If Canada wants to lead internationally, both socially and economically, uh, it needs to get behind its aviation and aerospace industry um, work with us and our creative people to help tackle some of these problems, solve them as best we can uh, to the benefit of Ryan and his love life. Yeah, I would agree. Absolutely. Dave Frank, thanks so much for being here, brother. Anytime. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.